This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com slash podcast or wherever you listen. Uh, an old joke that my wife and I have and have had forever, whenever anyone says no or is like, oh, we're too busy or we invite out three times and they never invite us back, we just always say ESPU and it stands for everyone sucks but us. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to How To. I'm Amanda Ripley. A little while back, we did an episode about how to make friends as an adult. And it was great. We had a lot of fun and a lot of people listened and found it really helpful. But a few people, specifically a few men, all individually wrote to us to say they were a little disappointed. It just so happens that all the people in that episode, including me, were women. And the advice, to those guys at least, felt a little gender specific. There was a lot of talk about vulnerability and having to ask for help. And, and some of the tips that were given, um, I thought you could use maybe if you kind of already knew the person, but it just didn't feel like something you could do as a, as a guy that was trying to, to make friends. This is Zach. He lives in Detroit. And we took his feedback to heart. Part of why he's struggled to make new friends is because he and his family have moved a bunch over the years and... The older he's gotten, the harder it's been. Really, it's um, mainly just been friends that I've made because our kids are friends with their kids. And uh, I keep thinking, I'm like, I, there has to be some way to meet people outside of what I guess my tried and true ways of meeting them would be, which is, you know, just kind of like go to a party and maybe a friend of a friend you meet there. Since COVID's hit, ha haven't been to any parties. And I'm working from home now too, so I'm, I'm home all the time and it's really been uh, difficult because you just can't go out and meet people. So you're describing sort of like the triple threat of, of, of you know, moving, which is hard on your friendships, and also um, having kids, and then also the pandemic. So those are three very real things that limit our ability to sort of connect in a genuine, normal way. What, what is the effect of sort of not having as many close friends, you know, at your disposal as you would like? I think I rely on my wife a lot more uh, for friendships than I probably should. You know, sometimes it's hard because I'm having her fill in in the, in the friend role as well. And, you know, for example, I, I really like going out and seeing, you know, new bands and, and new music. And she likes new music, but, uh, you know, it's not her thing. So to spare Zach's wife from having to go see yet another new band, today we're going to try to help him find some new friends to join him. And to do that, we're joined by a couple of guys from our family here at Slate. I'm Eamon Ismail. I live in Newark, New Jersey. I'm a staff writer at Slate Magazine. I hosted a podcast called Man Up that was all about every insecurity that I ever had, and that was a lot of fun. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm a writer at Slate. I'm the author of the book, How to Be a Family, uh, which was about our family's trip around the world in 2017, which involved a lot of emergency friend making. 
I also was a longtime host of Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting Parenting podcast, uh, where this is a topic we've talked about a lot because, as Zach says, that's not only a drag for you, the guy, to you know have your whole social life narrowed to your wife and the people that she chooses, but it's also a drag for your wife, as if you're like a second kid who she has to arrange friend dates for. On today's episode, how exactly do you make friends like a man? Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on creditworthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Last year, Saturday Night Live aired a sketch they called Man Park. I need you to go out of the house and make a friend so you talk to other people about this stuff and not just me. That's insane. Where would I even go? Finally, there's a place with Man Park. It's like a dog park. In the sketch, women who are weighed down by being the sole emotional support for their male partners take them to this park to socialize and make friends. <laughs> Rise and grind, brother. Look, they're networking. Oh, they're doing so good. It's silly and maybe a touch insulting, admittedly, but Man Park is funny because there's a grain of truth to it. Studies show that American men are experiencing a significant decline in the number of close friends they have and that they need more emotional support. I don't know anyone who doesn't need that and look for that and prize that when they find it in someone. I mean, it's hard for everyone, right, to make friends as an adult for some of the reasons we've talked about. Um, and and it's funny because it actually came up in that last episode that um, one of the listeners um, was a woman who had moved a lot. Um, immigrated here from India, and she worked with a lot of men. She's an engineer. And all they talked about was football. And she didn't understand American football, right? So she had sort of nowhere to go. Um, but I think one of the things we're hearing, right, is that even if you do understand football, it's only, it's only going to take you so far. Um, is that right? Like, do you, guys, do you guys talk about football? Is that something you have to kind of know to be a man in the world enough to be able to talk about it? 
Absolutely not. And and let me give you an example, right? Me and a couple of friends have like a group chat and one of them introduced this new friend saying, hey, we have this guy. He, he just like moved to the area. He doesn't really know anyone. Let's just kind of get to know him. So I, I reached out and I said, yo, let's, uh, let's meet up to go watch a Knicks game. And we got together and we were watching the game. And then about halfway through, he was like, I don't know anything about what's going on with basketball. I don't understand this. Uh, that's, I guess that was a cool shot. You know, it was like kind of like that. And why are they so tall? <laughs> that's sort of what we were just talking about. Uh, I was like talking about the game so much that I forgot to just ask him. I was like, do you even like basketball? We, after like the, the halftime, we decided that we were just going to go for a walk instead. And that he, he said that he'd never been in this area before where I was in Newark. So we went for a walk. I, we talked about the buildings. You know, we were sort of just touching on everything until we found mm. that one lightning rod topic that got us both excited. And that, in this case, ended up being music. Mm. You know, uh, he talked about how he was dreamed of getting a, a piano and renovate it and fix it. And he said he's been watching all these YouTube videos and he feels like he's ready to do that. And I was just so impressed and so excited to talk about how I love like the university of YouTube. And that's what we started talking about. This random thing that we wouldn't have ever gotten to because nobody's ever going to walk up to somebody and say, hey, I, I'm interested in pianos. It's, we sort of need to, to find that seed. And once we got into that, we've been texting nonstop about, oh, I found this one piano. What do you think? You know, we might even like work on it together as a little side project. So oh, that's awesome. uh, in, in my experience, we just need to be a little bit less shy about saying from one man to the next, I actually don't understand the game of football. <laughs> you know, uh, once something, <laughs> and nor do I care to, right? <laughs> once somebody shows a little bit of vulnerability and honesty, then everybody's going to show a little bit of vulnerability and honesty. think that that is a great story and true in many ways, but I also don't want to discount the power of sports as a non-denominational subject of discussion for between 95% of guys who don't know each other that well. So you're saying it's a really good entry point, so let's not dismiss it. Yeah, I just don't want to totally dismiss it. And, you know, listeners, broadly, you may or may not have strong feelings about sports. Zach, you may or may not have strong feelings about sports. But it can also be that that can be and has been for me and lots of guys a, a rich subject that touches on a million other real world issues and that allows you to then get into the politics that you both care about or the social justice that you both care about or the art that you both care about, uh, the music that you both care about. Like, it, you know, sports touches on so many things that I just don't want to like dismiss it as well. It's a stereotype. And so therefore it has no value. It is a stereotype, but I think it also has value for lots of things. <laughs> okay. Zach, where do you stand on this? Can you do you use sports as a way to talk to to other guys? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I I live in Big Ten country, and so you know, then you can start talking about you know what school did you go to? Oh, you live in Michigan, right? Correct. Yeah. So this is like an actual religion. Yeah, pretty much. Am I right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, But you know, I I think to what Eamon was talking about, um, you know, for for example, I I really don't enjoy baseball. You know, occasionally I'll, you know, watch the evening news and see if, you know, the, the Tigers won or something, just so in case it comes up in conversation, I can I can mention it. But if somebody wanted to take me to a baseball game, I might say, eh, I don't, I don't know about that. Can I bring up sports in a different context? Yeah, please. Yeah. I, as a grown-ass late 40-something, um, have found that the main way I have, in the last five or six years, made new groups of friends 
uh, has been through playing sports like recreational soccer, um, a sport I'm not good at at all. But like for me, that has been a, an easy way to meet guys I never would have met otherwise and to do it on a scheduled regular basis. So that's just every Tuesday night. And some of them I like and some of them I find annoying and I'm sure some of them find me annoying. But I would say that this has been a great way to build a bunch of casual friendships that are evolving into better friendships with some of them as time goes on. So here's our first suggestion for making friends like a man. Don't just be a spectator. Try to be an active participant in whatever it is that you're interested in, whether it's sports or something else. That way you have a regularly scheduled meetup that just happens automatically. Studies have shown that having a common enemy <laughs> or a common opponent and a common problem to solve or even just doing something physical together is a primal way for humans to connect. But are those kinds of casual soccer field friendships enough? You know, you can find deep relationships, I think, uh, but you got to first you know, meet a group of people and, and then kind of winnow it down. And, and yeah. Oh yeah, it's a numbers game. Right. And I think that's what I've been struggling with lately is I have a, a bunch of really good older friends. Um, but in terms of meeting new people, a lot of the tricks I used to rely on um, aren't working as well. Yeah, I totally hear mm -hmm. that. And, 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 you know, as you mentioned, the new parent issue, newish parent issue, um, where you, where suddenly everyone you're encountering and dealing with, the only thing you have in common with them is that their kid will play next to your kid without them trying to murder each other. Um, and like that, you, then you sort of feel like, well, what is that to like build a friendship on? But I can't stress enough that, that I think you should not discount the possibilities of those uh, unlikely possible friendships um, in part because those are the most easy connections to make and they help you build up the sort of critical mass of numbers of people you need to meet to actually find the people you spark with and connect to. Eamon, you're a fairly fairly new parent, yeah? Is this resonating with you? Yeah, but I I, I don't know. I tried that and I wasn't having a lot of fun, to be honest. Um, my son tell, is tell eight months old. And I tried to connect with other people that I know that are also like having like young babies. And all we talked about was babies, and I was just exhausted by that, to be honest. Like, all <laughs> yeah. I do as a dad is just, like, I'm just in baby land all the time. And when I hang out with friends, it's the last thing I want to talk about, you know? Right. Um, right. It's so funny. It's kind of like the sports problem, right? Like, how do you use this thing as an entry point but not get stuck there for too long? Because yeah, you're right. It yeah. can get really tedious. Yeah. I mean, I had a neighbor who I was fairly close to, and then he had a son, and then I had a son right after him. And then he was just wanting to hang out so our kids can play together all the time. And we, we sort of did for a while, but then he moved away and I was so relieved. I was like, oh my God, I can't. Like, <laughs> I was just like parenting hey, for man. the whole block. That's what it felt like. What That's a, what it felt like. I'm being, what I'm a being fucking bummer, It wasn't man. Dan who moved away, was it? <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just, you felt like it wasn't uh, fun. Oh, it was more like parenting plus. I, I would, it was frustrating because I would try to talk about anything else and then it would just go back to the baby thing. So how do you move past baby talk? And even harder, how do you carve out the time to see your friends at all? 
While we were taping this, Eamon had his infant son on his lap. <coughs> that is not an easy thing to pull off. When we come back, he and Dan have a plan. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs. The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast, or find it wherever you listen. We're back with Zach and our two friendly experts, Slate staff writers Dan Coyce and Eamon Ismail. We've heard a bit about the challenges facing adult men who are trying to make new friends, especially when they're parents. But what about that uncomfortable feeling that happens sometimes when you just don't click? It is true that you meet duds. And you end up in these situations where you're all of a sudden stuck spending an enormous amount of time with someone who you just like, no matter what they do, you can't find them interesting. And I'm certain that in those years, there were any number of local parents who felt the exact same way about me, who were like, God, I wish that my kid did not like Dan Coyce's <laughs> kid so much because I am spending so much time with him and he's just trying to talk to me about indie rock and plays. You just need to cast a really, really wide net. Because a lot of people who you try to make friends with won't be interested in you or won't need friends or won't like you or you won't like them. Um, but the more you can send those vibes out and the more you can put those efforts into the world, the more chance you have of finding people. And so you just got to be shameless about it. This is our next insight. Finding friends you really connect with is ultimately a numbers game. You have to keep putting yourself out there, which requires thick skin, something Dan has developed the hard way over time. He actually met Elizabeth Newcamp, our previous adult friend expert, and his longtime co-host in the podcast Mom and Dad Are Fighting, when they were both living in the Netherlands. I met Elizabeth because we I was on a totally fruitless first friend date with someone who didn't like me at all in a cafe, like an outside tables in Central City, Delft. And then another person walked by and heard me speaking English and was like, are you American? And that person, it turned out, also didn't like me at all. But <laughs> she had a friend, Elizabeth, who had moved here about, uh, to Delft a year ago, and she thought maybe we would like each other. And I got Elizabeth's email address and emailed her, and we liked each other. <laughs> and now we are close friends and have, have been longtime podcast co-hosts. Um, but like, just the string of like low-level heartbreak it took to become friends with her was absurd. Mm. Um, but yes, it's also... It is that is also her advice that she has always given is um, you just have to be like way more forward than you ever considered yourself being. And you you have to be the one who issues the invitations until you find the people who issue them back. And then that is one of the ways you know you found your people. 
But this raises another interesting question, which is the male-female friendship. I mean, I guess I wonder, is one of the challenges also as a man trying to make friends that if you make an overture to a woman, she might think that it's a come on when actually you just wanted to go to a show with her. Yeah, that that happened to me uh, once. <laughs> so my wife was working long hours and uh, I there was a band playing. I wanted to go see him and... Um, there was a, a lady I worked with who seemed to have similar music tastes. And I said, hey, let's let's go out and, you know, go see this band um, after work. And I got a really strange email from her that said, uh, let's go sometime when your wife can go. And I was like, oh, no, 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 that's mm. not at all what this <laughs> was about. You know, this I, mm. I was actually kind of uh, thinking of uh, just going to go see the band. And that was it. Yeah, that's discouraging. I mean, there's a lot of creeps out there. And so you whatever overtures you are making, you need to make them in full knowledge of the n- number of creeps who have previously overtured the person you are talking to. Sure. Yeah, that's uh, just the landscape. And, and that sucks. But like, right. But it's not I mean, it's not inalterable and it is not unovercomable in many cases. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we ended up becoming really good friends by the by oh. the time before I moved. And so I think it was just it was just initially that um, you know So what did you write back? Did yeah, you wrote did you that recover? email? Yeah. I didn't write anything back. I just went to the show. <laughs> um so because I I didn't know what to I didn't know what to say. Uh <laughs> you know I, I saw her at work the next day and I think I said something that said, Oh yeah, maybe we should go out together sometime in a in a group. Um and that's what we ended up doing. We ended up becoming friends that way. But it, it was that initial, that an initial, and I think what was the reason why it's sort of etched in my memory is because uh, as soon as she did that, I understood, oh, I could see why she might be creeped out by that. But that wasn't at all my intention. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what was uh, frustrating about it. Uh, my way around this is just constantly referencing my wife and be like, hey, my wife is, yeah, I'm this, my wife is, blah, blah, blah. Just talk constantly, constantly. And uh, I've made a bunch of friends that way, and it works I out. do find that if you are like a loud wife guy, it uh, <laughs> it can actually really yeah. help, like ease over that that possible problem. Okay, so that's one option. But what if you don't have a wife or maybe even want a wife? Then another option is to just be super transparent about your intentions. What we don't want is to creep people out or alternatively, just never reach out. I think a lot of guys probably don't make overtures of friendship towards women because they don't want to be seen as creepy. So here it probably takes a little bit of planning, not a lot, to just say something light but honest about your true intentions. It's interesting because um, so many of the challenges have to do with just uh, phase of life, but some of them are also about our culture and our gender. I mean, I think if you could just wave a wand and make anything easier for men when it comes to making friends, what would it be? I can't think of a single thing that like society is keeping these men apart. I think if anything, it's like an ego trip that we keep constantly having over and over again that keeps us from trying to work on ourselves or address the facts that we're maybe not making ourselves as vulnerable as we ought to. Any of the reasons that I gave myself that I didn't want to go to the show that I didn't want to go to, or I, I was suddenly like too tired to go to the to the to the gathering that some people that were having because I didn't know anybody there. Any of the reasons that I kept on giving myself that I didn't want to put myself out there, 
I, I, I think I'd be something in short to say that there's like this societal thing that's keeping men apart from each other. It might just be that it's like an ego thing. That's, that's sort of my theory. What do you mean an ego thing? Well, because it's hard to be vulnerable. I mean, we need to sit with those feelings that make us uncomfortable and think about what's actually keeping us from going to these events. That's what I would say. Now, in a perfect world, it wouldn't be so hard for men to be vulnerable, right? That needs to change. It isn't all on the individual, but in the meantime, we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. To do this, it can help to manage our expectations. In our previous episode on making adult friends, Elizabeth talked about what she called friends of the heart and friends of the road. Basically, friends for a lifetime versus friends for right now. I think we get trapped a little into, into feeling like every friendship needs to become a friend for life. Uh, you know, a friend of the heart. Um, and so when a friendship doesn't reach that level, it feels disappointing for some reason because you feel like, ah, I, you know, this guy wouldn't take a bullet for me. But I think when we put a lot of pressure on ourselves for every friendship that we make, you know, at age 47 to it, to become the kind of friendship we had with the guy who we met the first day of freshman year in college, who then was the best man at our wedding, well, like, they're not all going to live up to that. And if you can take pressure off yourself in those friendships, I think you'll be a lot happier. Maybe you can offer your help or something. Maybe there's something you're really good at. In my case, I've gotten really good at like caulking, and everybody needs like a new, like <laughs> caulking job in their bathroom. Oh man, can you come over here? And I just ask my friends, "Hey, I got this thing. Do you need this? Let me come. Through, let me come through and do that." And every nobody said no. So uh, no one I've, on earth has ever turned down really, free caulking. Yeah, yeah, and, and also with gardening, I've been uh, germinating a lot of seeds and getting seedlings started, and just asking people if I want to come over and like help them get a garden started. I've already done that three times so far, and it's not even the spring yet. So just thinking of ways to make yourself helpful, build your own community around something that you enjoy, is is never a bad never a bad option, and it's very low stakes. Asking for help to someone who then asks you for help in return as like one of the great human interactions and a true admission of vulnerability and a true placing yourself in someone else's hands. And on the occasions where I've done that and then been like rebuffed or even not reciprocated, that's been like super painful <laughs> and hard. But the reward when they do work out that's so rewarding to me that I have found everything else worth it. This is another great suggestion. One reliable way to connect with people is to do something for them. In our previous episode, we talked a lot about complimenting people in genuine ways or making a note in your calendar reminding you to check in on folks when you know they've got something important coming up. But for other people, that might feel a little phony. And it might work better to just offer to do some small thing that you genuinely like doing, like caulking their bathroom. Zach, do you have any like um, tricks that you're particularly good at that are useful to people? Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about that. Um, I, you know, one thing uh, I like, I love to cook. And, um, and so recently, uh, two, three years ago, got a, uh, you know, one of those egg smoker grills and, yeah, I end up um, just trying new 
new cuts of meat oh, that's <laughs> just a great to one. see if I, I not to be a gender essentialist but there is no guy on earth who wouldn't happily stand around a smoker talking about how that's going <laughs> right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and you can smoke vegetables for the vegetarians in your life there's oh, nothing you the can't best. smoke yeah i have these neighbors who i think of as like role models for how to be good friends but one thing that they did recently that i think maybe circles back to this question of being vulnerable uh, is they asked for my help with something. Like they both had to go to work early. They have two little kids. They needed somebody to be with their kids for like a half hour and then walk them to school. And it was during the week, you know, when I was working. And I'll tell you what, I was delighted to do it and delighted that they asked. And I feel like people don't ask Mm -hmm. for help enough in a way that's like, because you don't want to be a pain. You don't want to like impose on people. But actually it is a way to kind of seal the deal of the friendship. And the the other person feels useful. I mean, you know, to a point, right? Like they don't ask it every day, but like every so often, you know, you want to feel like you're in a village and we we aren't anymore, right? But I feel like on some level we want to be. Can I throw out one other extremely practical um, suggestion that has really worked um, in our neighborhood? You know, there were like a group of sort of casual neighborhood friends, some of whom were tighter than others, some of whom were truly just like, oh, these are friends of friends and we they seem nice. But there's like six couples. And at some point, someone, potentially me, basically proposed a supper club mm. in which every two months, uh, we just all go out to dinner. Whoever can make it goes out to dinner. And the rule was the responsibility rotates from couple to couple. So only once every like year and a half do you actually have to make the plans. Um, it's allowed people to sort of ease off when they don't have time in their lives, but then re-enter when they do have time in their lives. It's taken the pressure off of us to always be the ones who are planning events with these people because we don't have to. And it has also allowed these friendships to grow sort of on geologic time. Uh, as opposed to like the sort of high pressure, we got to become friends right away. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I, I like the that's idea a of idea, a, yeah. yeah the repeating structure. Um, I I know I used to be in a, a bowling league. A, a buddy said, "Hey, we need an extra guy." It was just every Tuesday night we go, and you go do it. You didn't have to think about it, and it was just already set up. Yeah, and honestly, if it was the third Thursday of every month. Every month, it never would have worked because that's way too much for everyone. But when you make it every three months, people can just barely <laughs> right, pull that right. off. That's like my brother had a book club. They read one book a year. Perfect. So no one could complain. <laughs> that I mean, that's good. That's actually much. slightly more than the average number of books an American reads every year. So great. <laughs> I wonder, like, Zach, how are we doing? Like, you you know, you came to us to point out that the last episode was a little bit narrow for what might resonate with a lot of men. Is anything here more useful or are we still, do we still have work to do? You know, um, just, just hearing, especially Dan talking about, you just got to keep putting yourself out there. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's just really hard and you get tired of, you know, do, you know, just, just, Mm -hmm. just doing it all the time. And, um, but if it's important to you, you should, you should try to do that. So I, I think it's, I think it's been on point and I think, um, great news, Zach, we're friends now. Yeah. You just got a bunch more friends. (laughs) I want, I like smoked meats. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm heading out to Detroit next week to catch up with you and your smokers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. 
Thank you to Zach for letting us know what he thought of our episode and then gamely coming on the show to do a new one. And to Dan Kois and Eamon Ismail for all their good advice. Make sure to look for Dan's forthcoming book, Vintage Contemporaries, and Eamon's forthcoming book, Becoming Baba. We'll also link to his old podcast, which I highly recommend, Man Up. Have you heard an episode that left you wanting more or something a little different? Let us know. Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. And if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review and tell a friend. That helps us help more people. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson and Katie Shepard produced the show. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown, remixed by Merritt Jacob, our technical director. Special thanks to Amber Smith. Charles Duhigg created this show. I'm Amanda Ripley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>